0: Hey guys, and welcome to the Moms and Murder podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? I'm doing awesome. I feel like I've seen you and talked to you so many times in the recent history. It's been so great. Oh, I was going to say, some might say that's too much time to see (laughs) me and talk
1: to me, but I appreciate the enthusiasm. Yeah, we've seen each other twice in two weeks. Yeah. Oh, in a week. In a week. In a week,
0: yeah. And. that's truly mind-blowing. That's more times than we've seen each other in the last year.
1: <laughs> yeah, truly. It's just, yeah, it's it's one of those things. And somebody had posted, I ended up commenting on their uh, Instagram, like, I always picture them just always around each other, blah, blah, blah. And I saw that right as you and I were getting lunch. And I was like, wow, what are the odds? <laughs> like, well,
0: we actually are seeing each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's been great. It's been really nice to get to see you a little bit. Um I know you're probably going to kill me for even mentioning this, but I know that you have a very special day this year coming up. Special day of the year coming up.
1: Yeah, I don't soon. know what that you're talking about. <laughs> and so it's
0: fine. It's not your birthday. We'll just skip right over this whole thing. <laughs>
1: hey, you know what I would love for people to do for my birthday? And I'm What's not that? the kind of person that says this, but this episode we're doing this week is so very special to us and there's a call to action at the end. If our listeners want to listen to that at the end and take action, that would be the greatest possible thing in the history of birthdays and would make me not mad that you mentioned that it is my birthday. I mean, I wouldn't be mad at you, but you know what I mean. Like, yes. Listen to the episode. There's a call to action. If you like me, please do it. If you don't like me, still do it because then do it in spite of me because you just yes. aren't really a fan. So either way, it's totally fine, but just just do
0: it. How about yes. that? Perfect. Yeah. So as Melissa said, um, the story that we're talking about this week is a really special one to us. It's kind of something that we actually have never really done before on our show. As you guys know, we typically stick to cases that have been solved. But this week, we're going to be talking about a special ongoing case that has become very, very dear to us. And it's become our mission to help an incredible family on their tireless journey to find answers and bring a killer to justice. Before we get started this week, we do want to stress that all parties discussed in this story are innocent unless and until they are proven guilty in a court of law, and we're really not here to speculate on what we personally believe happened, but rather to just share the heartbreaking story of a life loss to a senseless act of violence and to help the family bring awareness to this case.
1: 33-year-old Jared Bridegan was a man intent on leading an honest life. Jared was a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and his faith was really at the center of everything he did. In his own words, his relationship with his heavenly father and his son, Jesus Christ, was his number one priority in life, followed by his relationship with his wife and the privilege he had to be the father of his four children. Jared was a truly devoted family man. Although he'd experienced the heartbreak of his first marriage coming to an end, Jared remained dedicated and determined to be there for the twins he had with his first wife, Shanna. The daughters he had with Kirsten were equally adored and cherished. Jared genuinely loved being a dad, and he went above and beyond to make memories and nourish a relationship with all of his kids, according to his wife, Kirsten. She said he spent hours setting up these activities that he thought would be awesome for them. He was that kind of dad that was outside building a playhouse in the backyard or creating a laser tag arena in the garage. His creativity really had no bounds when it came to finding new ways to bond with his kids. And you see these kind of dads out there, like sometimes in the neighborhood and stuff, and you're like, oh yeah, that's so cool. Like I don't have that kind of brain to think of these things. So I love sure parents are so creative and so involved. Yeah. When Jared and his first wife divorced, they began this new tradition of taking their twins out for a date night, which was in the middle of their off week. So as per their custody agreement, each parent would have the twins every other week. And on the nights they didn't have the twins, each parent would pick them up for a date night on Wednesday. So they're not going a full week without seeing the other parent. It's like halfway through kind of a check-in thing, which I think is great. I think it's an awesome idea to do that. It is. It's only a benefit for the kids, you know? For sure. So Kirsten said that for Jared, these date nights with the twins usually consisted of dinner and then some kind of a quick activity, and then he would drop the twins back off at Shayna's house. Jared and Kirsten's oldest daughter, Bexley, was always present for these outings with her half-siblings. And on February 16th, 2022, that's exactly what Jared was doing. That evening, he and two-year-old Bexley took the twins, who were nine years old at the time out for dinner and dessert in Jacksonville Beach, Florida, while his wife Kirsten stayed home with their six-month-old daughter, London. After a routine Wednesday date night, Jared dropped the twins back off at Shanna's house and then called Kirsten to let her know that he and Bexley were on their way home. From the backseat, Kirsten could hear Bexley excitedly talking about the ice cream she got. That age is so fun, and you know, like, if you get ice cream, it's like, I will be sharing this. Yeah, it's like, (laughs) everyone needs to know this. The drive from Jared's ex-wife's house to his own home was about 30 minutes. But Jared never made it home that night. As Jared was driving through the quiet residential neighborhood about two miles away from where he had just dropped off his twins, he noticed there's a tire in the middle of the road that still has the wheel inside of it. The tire was positioned in the middle of the on-ramp to J. Turner Butler Boulevard in a way that prevented Jared from being able to drive around it. So he stops his car to check out exactly what's going on. And at the exact moment that Jared stepped out of his car, an unknown assailant approached him and without warning, fired at least four shots, striking Jared multiple times and tragically killing him. For three whole minutes, two-year-old Bexley remained strapped into the back seat until a passerby came upon the scene and saw Jared lying on the ground next to the open driver's side door of his car.
0: By the time the Good Samaritan arrived at the scene, the shooter was long gone. Jared's car was in park with the hazard lights on, and when the other motorists got closer, they realized that Jared was dead. After taking a look inside of his Volkswagen, the motorist saw Bexley, who was thankfully unharmed and still strapped into her car seat. This kind stranger took her out of the car and wrapped her in a blanket while they waited for officers to show up, which thankfully didn't take that long because a nearby resident who heard the gunshots had already called a female officer took Bexley to the local police station where they tried to figure out who to get a hold of. Meanwhile, Kirsten was becoming more and more concerned when Jared and Bexley didn't return home at 8.30, and her calls and texts to Jared were going unanswered. Unsure of exactly what she should do, Kirsten got in her own car and started driving around looking for Jared herself while calling his phone over and over again. Finally, someone did pick up the phone, but it wasn't Jared. Jared. It was a Jacksonville Beach police officer, and all they would say to Kirsten is that she needed to go to the police station and that her daughter Bexley was safe. When Kirsten got to the station, she was reunited with her daughter, but no one would tell her exactly what was going on and no one was talking about Jared. Finally, Kirsten was taken to another room where she was informed of the devastating news that her husband had just been shot to death. At that moment, Kirsten said it felt like she lost her hearing. She remembers looking around for a trash can to throw up in, but she didn't see one. So she just put her head in her hands and kept thinking, this can't be real. As of this recording, which was in September of 2022, the case has not been solved and no one has been identified as the shooter that took Jared away from his family. Now, we mentioned in the beginning of this episode that this story has become really important to us and that we are personally invested in helping this family on their quest for answers and justice, and that's because Kirsten is a listener and a friend of our podcast. We were able to speak with her and hear her story, as well as learn more about who Jared was as a person, a father, and a husband, and we are honored to be able to share their story on their behalf.
1: Absolutely. Before we get into further details about what actually happened to Jared and where this investigation is currently at, we're going to get into some of the history and the backstory that led to this point, starting with more about who Jared Bradigan was. Jared was born on June 29th, 1988 in Warrensburg, Missouri to parents Joanne and Gaylord. He had two brothers, Justin and Adam, and one sister named Ashley. Jared's family moved to Jacksonville, Florida when he was pretty young. He grew up there and he graduated from the Douglas Anderson School of the Arts in 2007. From there, he attended Utah Valley University, earning his B.S. in digital media with an emphasis in cinema production in 2014. Jared had a longstanding interest in videography, and he was an accomplished user experience designer. At the time of his death, Jared was working as a senior design manager at Microsoft, In our conversation with Kirsten, she did tell us that many media outlets have reported incorrectly that Jared was like this executive at Microsoft, which isn't true. His position as a senior manager was different from being an executive, but Jared worked incredibly hard to earn that position, so we just wanted to correct the record there. One of the main things you should know about Jared is what we started to touch on earlier the fact that he was just an incredible father. But it wasn't just his kids that he poured his love into. It was really everyone. According to his obituary, Jared was that guy in the neighborhood that would loan you his tools and then show up to help you with the project. And projects are something he loved working on himself. Jared and Kirsten tackled many home improvement projects together, including making handcrafted wooden beams for their bedroom ceiling, building a custom fireplace and office desk, shiplapping walls, and more. Kirsten told News 4 Jacks, quote, Jared truly cared about those in his life. He truly cared about trying to be a good human, and he tried every single day to be his best, end quote. But despite Jared's enthusiastic efforts to make his life and the lives around him as carefree as possible, Jared really struggled with his relationship with his ex-wife, Shanna.
0: Jared met Shanna Gardner in or around 2009 while she was visiting a friend in Jacksonville. She was originally from Utah, where she grew up in a prominent and affluent family. She is actually the heiress to the paper craft fortune, Stampin' Up!, which is a company that her parents created that makes over $100 million a year. When they first met, Jared wasn't really that into Shanna, but she flaunted her charmed life and kind of wined and dined him until he relented. Jared eventually warmed up to Shanna, and they began dating. He moved to Utah, and in April of 2010, the couple got married in the Salt Lake Temple, and it was described as a fairy tale wedding. Shortly after getting married, Jared began going to school at Utah Valley University. During this time, Shanna's parents heavily supported the couple financially, but not really in the mooching off her parents type of way. Shanna's parents actually helped all of their kids out with a little bit of money while they were working to get an education and kind of establish themselves. And Jared was thankful and really honest with the financial help that his in-laws were giving him. And just a note here, um, I don't think I could be anywhere near where I am if it wasn't for the help of my parents, like while I was coming, you know, going through that stage of my life, like coming up from trying to go through college and, you know, my husband was in school and they gave us a lot of help. And I'm very thankful for that now because I feel like that definitely played a role into, you know, us being where we are today. In 2012, Shanna and Jared welcomed their twins, Abby and Liam. As if things aren't stressful enough with one newborn, they had two, and one of them was born with a congenital heart condition. Shanna and Jared were told by doctors that they would need to live at sea level in order for Liam's heart to function properly. So they moved to Connecticut, which is where Jared's brother and his wife were living at the time. It was also a great location choice because it was closer to Liam's heart specialist in New York. It was in Connecticut that things really started to change. Jared's friend said that Shanna's cracks started to show after they moved there. She stopped going to church, and she started spending all of her time working out. She began to get frustrated with Jared because he would put on a little bit of weight, and he was busier now because he was trying to start a business. Jared could feel the tension and sense that the couple needed a new start, so he convinced Shanna to move to his hometown of Jacksonville, Florida. They bought a nice home in a ritzy neighborhood there, and in 2014, Jared graduated with his bachelor's degree. But the
1: move to Florida didn't end up being the fresh start for the family that Jared had hoped for. In fact, the marriage crumbled really quickly after they arrived in Jacksonville. Shanna filed for divorce in February of 2015, stating that she and Jared did not love each other anymore. However, according to Fox News Digital, there may have been a little bit more to it than that they reported that Jared had found some sexually explicit messages between Shanna and her personal trainer. And that's ultimately what led to the dissolution of their marriage. In 2015, Jared sent a Facebook message to a friend where he confided about some of his marital issues. He said, quote, in the past three months, Shanna has become really distant and got emotionally attached to a personal trainer at the gym and is now divorcing me. But she has her agency and I just need to move on and find someone to be my best friend again, you know? End quote. Jared also wrote to that same friend, quote, never get divorced because it's literally the hardest thing I'll ever do. It's emotionally and physically the worst thing in the world to hear your eternal companion just be like, Yeah, I'm out. See you later. End quote. Another friend of Jared's told Fox News Digital that Jared would have forgiven Shanna for the sake of the twins, but Shanna told him that she didn't love him anymore. Jared felt like she wasn't even the person that he had married. The day after Shanna and Jared's divorce was finalized, she went to a tattoo parlor and got a piercing not in her ears, which is something that is not allowed in the church. So we're not going to go into too many details about this because it's really not important to the story other than to demonstrate the way Shanna's behavior was changing during this period of time. So within a few weeks, Shanna's back at the shop asking about getting tattoos One of these employees at the parlor specifically remembered thinking how wild it was that Shanna had undergone this complete transformation in really a matter of weeks. He said, quote, she went from this goody two-shoes girl to this wild lady. I just remember thinking, well, this is a changed woman, end quote. She had cut all of her hair off into a pixie style, and she was getting a bunch of tattoos, basically like a sleeve. According to Kirsten, getting tattoos isn't forbidden in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but... It's not exactly encouraged either. You can have tattoos, but people in the church are likely to be shocked if a member starts getting multiple tattoos. Now, you guys know that we normally wouldn't bring up or emphasize these type of things because people leave churches, they have affairs, they get tattoos and piercings, and cut their hair every single day. It's not that unusual. But when someone does these things all at once or in a very quick succession, it can be a concerning sign. In this case, we're only mentioning it to demonstrate the personality change that preceded a very contentious divorce from Jared. A mental health expert that discussed this case with Nancy Grace pointed out that this type of major change can be a sign that someone is struggling mentally or emotionally. And since Shanna was doing all of these things in the midst of her divorce from Jared, it's possible this was all just a part of her coping mechanism.
0: When it came to the actual divorce, things got hostile right off the bat. Jared and Shanna both refused to move out of the family home, which caused further strain on the couple. From the time of their divorce onward, the custody battle over the twins, Abby and Liam, was constant and unrelenting. So we understand that custody issues are a very personal matter in someone's life, and it's a little bit intrusive to air it all out like this, but... In this specific case, again, we want to explain fully what was going on leading up to Jared's death. So this time, we're going to go into a little more detail about the seven-year-long custody battle that ensued. The Daily Beast reported that a court file between Jared and Shanna, this included both the divorce and the custody cases, had about 300 entries and motions. The filings ranged from arguments over where to send their twins to elementary school to accusations of mental and financial manipulation— One lawyer actually commented that Jared and Shanna couldn't solve anything on their own, and they would always have to get their lawyers and a judge involved. Records show that the vast majority of these filings were made by Shanna, who was constantly wanting to alter the custody agreement and the divorce agreement. The Daily Mail reported that in Shanna's original petition, she said that she wanted the house and primary custody of the twins, She also accused Jared of threatening to withdraw funds from the twins' trust funds, which she claimed were in Jared's name. These funds had actually been set up by Shanna's parents, and the allegations were denied by Jared and quickly dismissed, but it was the first of many accusations in the numerous filings over the next several years, in which Shanna made several allegations that were later withdrawn, and this, of course, wasted court time and ran up their attorney's fees. In Jared's counter petition, he said that he wanted primary custody as well as alimony, child support, and the house. He also accused Shanna of putting a lock on the bedroom door and not giving him a key, installing surveillance devices in the kids' rooms and in his car, and keeping a voice-activated recorder in the house. And additionally, he said that she would speak to him in a very disparaging manner in front of their kids. Jared alleged that all of this behavior was an attempt to drive him out of the family home so that Shanna could gain the advantage in the custody case. Jared sent photo evidence of baby monitors that Shanna placed under the kid's dresser and under one of their beds, which Jared found to be really secretive and kind of weird because the kids' rooms were already outfitted with monitors, so there was no reason to have these these extra secret ones in different places. Right. In June of 2015, Jared accused Shanna of canceling a heart surgery that was scheduled for their son, Liam. As we said before, Liam was born with a heart condition, and he required special care. He was scheduled to have surgery, and Jared was supposed to be the one to take him, and this was something that had been scheduled for months, and it was suddenly canceled. In July of 2015, Jared and Shanna were officially divorced, and they had agreed on 50-50 custody. Each parent had them every other week, and they had that arrangement where whoever was off that week would still get to see the twins on Wednesday night for their date night. At some point after the divorce was finalized, Jared moved out of the home that he once shared with Shanna. He had a hard time finding a job in Florida, so he moved to Utah and took a job there. In a temporary agreement, Jared would travel back to Florida almost every weekend to see the kids. Although this cost Jared a lot of money and travel, he was a dedicated dad who would do anything to maintain the relationship that he had with Abby and Liam. But not even a year later, in January 2016, Shanna filed a petition to modify the custody agreement, and she would be in and out of court with Jared for the next seven years. The custody battle became way too much to handle from across the country, so Jared eventually had to move back to Florida, and thankfully he was able to find a job there. And we have so much more to get into with this story after a quick break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. I was
1: scrolling through my phone the other day and realized I had over 16,000 photos on my phone. Some of these are absolute duds, and others are screenshots of recipes I'm never gonna make. But the important ones are the memories and pieces of time I want to remember. So why on earth don't I have them printed and displayed in my home, you may be asking? To be honest, pure,
0: unadulterated laziness. But thanks to CanvasPrints.com, I no longer have that excuse. CanvasPrints.com not only has the easiest-to-use interface, but it really is just so simple to use. You just upload your photo, pick your product, and my favorite part, add to cart – we know the holidays are coming up, so this is a great way to get something customized for members of your family and not just that bucket of popcorn that can be a real swing and a miss. I'm obsessed
1: with how easy it is to use canvasprints.com. I was able to get some family photos printed and framed, and I was really done with the minutes, and they really look absolutely great. I've tried to print stuff on my own, and guess what? They aren't hanging up at my house because they look truly awful. But canvasprints.com has artist-quality prints at an exceptional value. And it's not just canvas prints, but you can create custom pillows, blankets, totes, coffee mugs, and even coasters with a not-very-flattering photo of your sister taken from her ring camera that you both can't stop laughing
0: about. Right now, canvasprints.com has a special offer just for our listeners. Go to canvasprints.com and use code MOMS25 to get 25% off your entire order of canvas prints, canvas wall displays, metal prints, photo tiles, photo blankets and pillows, and much more. Why not start and finish your holiday shopping early with this amazing offer? That's canvasprints.com and use code MOMS25 for 25% off your entire order. The other day I saw a
1: TikTok announcing that there were only 100 days left until Christmas. I obviously block the person who said it because I don't need that kind of negativity in my life, but unfortunately, it is the truth. The holidays always find a way to sneak up on us, and while I have a million things I want to do this holiday season, the fact is I'm going to be doing just my best to get by. A great way to take something off
0: your plate, though, this holiday season is with stamps.com. As with everything, the rates of shipping are constantly changing, but with Stamps.com's switch and save feature, it's easy to compare carriers and rates, so you'll always know you're getting the best deal every single time. And Stamps.com is so easy to use, all you need to get started is a computer and a printer. Easy peasy. We've
1: been using Stamps.com for over three years now, and for us, it's really a no-brainer. With Stamps.com, it's like having a -a 24-hour-a-day, 7-day-a-week post office from my house or really anywhere. One thing I really love is being able to schedule package pickup for those larger package that would otherwise just sit in my
0: front seat until I finally remember to stop at the post office. Get ahead of the holiday chaos this year. Get started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code MOMSANDMURDER for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code Murder. And now back to the episode.
1: So before the break, we were talking about Jared and Shanna's custody arrangement and kind of all the court and mess that has been going on for really seven years. Eventually, after Jared got settled back in Florida, he felt like he was ready to date again. So he joined dating apps like Bumble and Tinder. If you've ever used a dating app, then you know how difficult it can be to find good quality matches. I was on them before they were apps when they were just the internet. And that is how I met my husband. Um, but there is no such thing as apps, but yeah
0: there it's hard to so find people lucky.
1: do you know how humiliating that was for years to tell people how we met? I mean, we've now been together like almost <laughs> twenty years, but at the beginning, you didn't tell people you met on an app, and now it's like it's a cool thing now,
0: yeah, but now there's like no other way to meet
1: anyone. I mean, I guess in person, but that sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> So anyhow, Jared, you know, was using these apps. He wasn't having really much luck until early 2017 when he finally matched with Kirsten. At the time, Kirsten lived in Charlotte, North Carolina and worked at Microsoft. After talking to Kirsten for a while, Jared told a friend that he thought Kirsten was someone really special and he really thought it could go somewhere. And Kirsten really felt the same way. She said she felt an instant draw to Jared and she was really struck by his profile photo. picture of himself and the twins. They talked on the phone a lot before Jared finally made the six-hour drive to meet Kirsten in North Carolina for their first date. After that, Jared would make the trip to see Kirsten on the weekends that he didn't have the twins. After about four months of this, Kirsten requested that her Microsoft job be fully remote and she moved to Florida and married Jared in October of 2017. The new couple waited a year before having a baby of their own because they wanted to really enjoy their time as newlyweds and their family time with Jared's twins. During this time, though, Jared's still going through this custody battle with his ex-wife, Shanna. This was especially hard for Kirsten, who really wanted nothing more than to move forward with life and focus on being a family. She said it was really heartbreaking to watch Jared go through the stress of a constant court battle with Shanna. Meanwhile, Shanna had also remarried in April of 2018, and her new husband's name was Mario Fernandez. That couple bought a home in an upscale neighborhood in Jacksonville Beach. In September of that same year, Jared's daughter Abby complained to Jared that Mario was, quote, grabbing me hard and I do not like it, end quote. So Jared hears this and writes an email to Shanna expressing his concern about it. She responded back, quote, Thanks for the email. I know exactly what our daughter is talking about, and it has been addressed. End quote. But according to Kirsten, Jared's concern for his kids while they were with Mario still lingered. In August of 2019, Jared and Kirsten welcomed their first daughter, Bexley. Bexley quickly developed the most special bond with Jared. Kirsten said they had really the best relationship, and Bexley loved Jared with everything she could muster, and she would follow him around everywhere. It didn't matter if Jared was working in the garage or cleaning the car, going to his office for conference calls. She always wanted to be with her dad. After Bexley came along, Jared and Kirsten moved to St. Augustine and settled there. This puts them about 35 to 40 minutes away from Shanna and Mario. So when it was his turn for their date night with the twins, he would take Bexley along for the ride and they would all go have dinner and dessert out by the beach near where Shanna lived. In August of 2021, Kirsten and Jared welcomed a second daughter that they named London, and Kirsten became a full-time stay-at-home mom. Around this time, Jared accepted a job at Microsoft as senior design manager.
0: Although Jared and Kirsten were doing their best to establish a new life for themselves and the kids, the litigation between Jared and Shanna just dragged on. The Daily Mail reported that over the years, the language in the filings became increasingly hostile and the allegations became outlandish. A staff member at the twin school said that Shanna would just openly disparage Jared. And she said that Shanna randomly brought up their divorce and painted Jared in a negative light the first time this employee had ever even met Shanna. It was really clear that there was tension between them. In 2020, Shanna made claims that Jared was regularly interrogating the twins and recording their statements, and she also alleged that he was coaching the twins about what they should say and threatening to use those coach statements against Shanna. Shanna claimed that these actions were, quote, clearly abusive, both emotionally and mentally, and an outrageous violation of shared parental responsibility as well as basic decency, end quote, and she demanded an investigation into Jared. This was a request that was ultimately denied. Shanna's last filing came in late 2021, just four months before Jared was murdered. In this particular filing, Shanna accused Jared of caring more about humiliating her than he did about the life of his own son. To elaborate on this, Shanna was claiming that Jared was withholding medical equipment that their son Liam needed. Again, as a reminder, Liam was born with a heart condition and he needed an oxygen machine for when he was traveling by air. Shanna was planning on taking a trip and needed the oxygen machine, which she claimed in court documents that Jared refused to give her. In the filing, she said Jared wanted her to apologize for what she called a host of transgressions and claimed that Jared put in writing that he was more concerned with humiliating her than he was with making sure his own child didn't die.
1: So to clear this whole thing up, we asked Kirsten if she could explain what happened with this oxygen machine situation, and she was able to give us a lot more details. So to be very clear, Jared was not withholding his son's oxygen machine from Shanna at all. When Shanna and Jared were married, they had purchased an oxygen machine for Liam, and during the divorce, they had to outline who was taking what. Shanna and Jared decided that Shanna would keep the machine at her house, but Liam would use it when he was traveling with either parent. For years, when Jared would take Liam on a plane, he would pick the oxygen machine up from Shanna and return it to her house when they got back. But after one trip in 2019, Shanna got upset about something and sends this email stating that Jared and Kirsten would no longer have access to this oxygen machine. Jared and Kirsten wrote a reply back to her explaining that the oxygen machine was Liam's and that it would only be punishing him if Shanna doesn't let them use it when they traveled. After a little back and forth, Shanna was still adamant that Jared couldn't use the machine, so they had no choice but to purchase a new machine to keep it their house to have for Liam when they needed to travel. I also think it's important to say here he needed it for traveling. This wasn't an everyday machine. There's no reason for both parents to have this really highly priced medical device when it's just when he's on airplanes that, you know, they're needing this. Like we have EpiPens that's very cheap, but we have to always have them with us. It's a totally different situation than having this machine that he only needs for air travel. There's no reason everyone needs to buy one. Right. At the time, Jared and Shanna's divorce agreement stated that Shanna had to pay 25% of all uncovered health bills for the kids, and Jared would pay the other 75%. Shanna never responded to emails that Jared and Kirsten were going to purchase a new oxygen machine and send her a bill for 25% of it, so they just went ahead and bought it to have at their house. When Shanna was sent the bill for her portion of the machine, she did pay it several weeks later. Fast forward about two years later, and Shanna's getting ready to go on a trip, and she just casually mentions that she's coming over to pick up the new oxygen machine for the trip. Jared and Kirsten are baffled by this, and they told her no because she had that original oxygen machine that still worked fine at her house.
0: So when Shanna learned that Jared and Kirsten weren't planning on letting her use their new oxygen machine, she says hers wasn't working. So Jared asked her for more information about that, and Shanna claimed that the machine had been broken for a year, and she had even spoken to the manufacturer that was able to confirm that her machine was, in fact, broken. Kirsten was really skeptical of the story right away, so she called the manufacturer herself just to ask a few questions, and she learned that it was safe to assume the machine was working unless it had some kind of alarm going off, because these machines really are built to last. Right. Kirsten had the company send her all that information in writing so she could pass it on to Shanna, which she did, but Shanna never responded to it. When they returned from their trip, Jared and Kirsten's attorney told them that Shanna was suing them. Kirsten told us that in this particular document, the language suggested that Jared cared more about being vindictive towards Shanna than he did about his own child's life, which, as we said, is completely untrue. Totally. Totally. Kirsten said that they have emails to prove that they agreed to let Shanna use the oxygen machine if hers was, in fact, broken. But Jared wanted Shanna to admit that she withheld the original machine from them years earlier. And so, you know, this is one of those things that seems like it's a strange argument to take up. But if you've ever been at odds with someone like this, then you understand why and how things can get petty. You know, it's kind of this like – you have continually made our lives a lot more difficult, and now you want me to just let you take our machine. Like, after the reason that we even have this machine is because you wouldn't let us use the original machine. So, right. I totally get it. I am very much the same way. Like, I would be like, Yeah, you can use it, but you have to admit what you did, you know? Right. Well, you know what was interesting in our
1: conversation with Kirsten was this part where she's the one that even said that to us. Like, Yeah, I got a little bit petty because I feel like if you're only thing is everything was perfect, everything was perfect. I'm not going to believe you, right? Because life is messy and difficult and stuff for her to say that. I was like, yeah, right. no, that makes total he was a human person, of course,
0: yeah, for sure. So when Shanna complained that Jared wanted her to apologize for what she said was a host of transgressions, it wasn't really that at all. It was that Jared wanted her just to own up to what she did that led to them having to purchase a new machine in the first place. In the end, Jared and Kirsten agreed to refund Shanna the 25% that she paid for the machine, which was about $500, and they agreed that they would each just use their own machine so there was no more of this back and forth. Really, this is a win for Shanna because she got her money back and she still had a working oxygen machine for her son whenever he needed it. Among all the filings and changes that Shanna requested, there was also an attempt on her part to change the long-standing divorce agreement that stated that neither party would be allowed to leave the kids with one of the step parents unless the other biological parent agreed. So essentially, whoever didn't have the kids was to get the first right of refusal if the other parent that did have them had to go out of town or be away for any reason. Right. They weren't allowed to just leave them with their new spouses. So if Jared needed to go out of town, he would have to offer for Shanna to be able to take the twins, and if she couldn't, then he could leave them with Kirsten and vice versa. But Jared always made sure that he was available when Shanna needed to go out of town because he didn't ever want the twins to be alone overnight with Shanna's husband, Mario. There was even one time that Jared canceled a trip of his own just to make sure that he could be there for the twins. So Shannon wanted to change this rule to allow for step parents to override this first right of refusal rule that they've had in there since the beginning. But Jared wouldn't agree to this because of his concerns about Mario. Which he's saying this for both sides. Kirsten Absolutely. can't have them. Mario can't have them. Like this is
1: very cut and dry, simple. Works for everyone, really. You know, right. I mean, like for the parent, for the biological parent to have the first option only makes sense.
0: Yeah. One friend of Jared's told the Daily Mail that Jared was really a hero for the way he handled his family dynamics, and he was always very patient and kind, even with the constant accusations being thrown at him. He just wanted his kids to be comfortable and feel safe. And from everything that we've heard and read about Jared ourselves, he truly did go through so, so much to fight for his kids. And that's really where things
1: were at when Jared was suddenly murdered on February 16th, 2022. The twins were at Shanna's that week, but as per their usual tradition, Jared and two-year-old Bexley drove to Jacksonville Beach that Wednesday evening for their date night with the twins. Kirsten and baby London stayed at home and waited for them. At 7.45 p.m., Jared dropped the twins off at Shanna's house and then called Kirsten and told her that he and Bexley would be home in about 30 minutes. Just a few minutes after that call, Jared was driving down a dark stretch of Sanctuary Boulevard in a quiet residential neighborhood. He was about to turn on to J. Turner Butler Boulevard when he notices this tire in the middle of the road. So Kirsten was able to explain this area, like what it looked like, because sometimes it's hard hearing, okay, a tire's in the road. Well, go to the other lane or whatever. Right. But she was able to explain it just wasn't possible. So she says there's a couple ways that Jared and Kirsten would take from their house to Shanna's and back but the way they always went was through the neighborhood winding through the streets until you get to the on-ramp that takes you to the main road the on-ramp is a one-way street with both sides lined by trees and a curb i'm picturing like places in orlando I like downtown yes. right
0: uh-huh you can totally see this there's you couldn't see anything on either side of you i feel like it's almost like a tunnel just without a top on it
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing you can't see anything around you. So there's no way to drive around a hazard if the, the hazard is a giant tire, you know, in the middle of the road. So Jared puts his car in park, he turns on his hazard lights, and he gets out. At that exact moment, someone approaches him while he's still standing near his driver's side door. This person gets within three to four feet and fires at least four shots. Jared's hit multiple times, and the driver's side door was also struck, but thankfully, two-year-old Bexley was unharmed in the back seat. Jared's assailant fled the scene, and for three minutes, Bexley sat in her car seat alone until another
0: vehicle pulled up. The next few days were a blur and a whirlwind for Kirsten. She spoke to the police, her friends, and her family, including Shanna, about the murder. There's been some talk in the media that Kirsten asked other people not to speak to the media, but when we asked her about this, she said that right after Jared died, they did ask her if she wanted his name made public, and she said no because she wasn't ready for that yet. She still needed time to notify the whole family. On the 18th, officers went back to Kirsten and told her that there was somebody talking to the media and it really wasn't helpful, so they did ask her to just let people know that things weren't public yet and to stop talking to the media. As it turned out, the information leak ended up being because Shanna had informed the twin school that Jared was murdered on the 17th. And on that same day, they sent out a school-wide email about it. Oh my gosh. Once officers knew that the info had been leaked, they asked Kirsten for a photo of Jared so they could publish his name in the media themselves. On March 16th, a month after the shooting, Kirsten finally held her first public interview after the investigator said it would be a really good time to start speaking about the case. She didn't mention anything about Shanna in this interview.
1: Meanwhile, authorities are still investigating Jared's murder. The tire was processed for evidence and bullet shell casings were sent to a ballistics lab. As of this recording, though, there's no public information available about the results of those tests. Investigators reviewed surveillance footage from around the area, and they found that a 2004-2008 to 2008 dark blue Ford F-150 with brown or tan trim running boards and a silver toolbox was in the area at around the same time Jared was shot. Investigators have said this truck is a vehicle of interest. They are sure the truck was involved in the murder. They just haven't publicly explained how or why they're so sure of this or why they want the information on the truck. We know this with cases. They have to keep some stuff close to the chest when Definitely. they're, you know, when they're investigating so they can't say, we need this for X, Y, and Z. They have to say, we need this.
0: <laughs> right. And in a lot of cases, it's a good sign when they're saying that we do think there's something here, but we can't talk about it just yep. yet. It usually means that they they may really be onto something and they have Absolutely. to, like you said, they have to keep it kind of close to the chest.
1: I think the phrase is close to the vest, but I appreciate you also saying close to the chest, just like me. So thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Investigators also found that witnesses who had traveled the road right before Jared did not report seeing a tire in the road. Keep in mind, this is literally a one-way street. There's, you know, nobody else is going to be able to go around it. So it had to be in a very small time period that this tire randomly ends up there. So on February 23rd, Fox News reported that Kirsten and Shanna got into some kind of argument about Jared's funeral. According to Kirsten, Shanna was wanting to attend the funeral with the twins, but Kirsten told Shanna she was not invited. Kirsten did offer to pick up the twins and drop them back off at home, but Shanna refused and said the twins would only go to the funeral if she was there. Kirsten still said no. So Shanna said she was going to organize her own memorial for the twins and her family. Fox News confirmed that texts were exchanged between the two women discussing in this, but Shanna's mom claimed that the twins were also not invited to their dad's funeral. She wrote in this blog that Shanna and everyone who knew her were uninvited from the funeral, so Shanna and the twins were having their own celebration of life. People commented on the blog questioning these claims, and Shanna's mom, her name is Shelly, then clarified that Kirsten did offer to pick the twins up for the funeral, but she claimed that the twins did not want to attend without their mom, since no one from Jared's family had even reached out to them. Shelley, Shanna's mom, said it was crucial for the twins to attend the memorial so they could heal, and that their mom needed to be with them, which is why Shanna was holding her own memorial service. Kirsten told us that she and Jared's family have reached out wanting to see the twins and they continue to attempt to see them still. But all requests that are sent to Shanna or to her attorney are ignored or denied.
0: About a week after Jared's murder, on February 24th, Kirsten was putting Bexley to bed when she was alerted by her watch that someone was spotted on the driveway of the Bridegan home. The video showed a bright, blurry figure moving quickly from the corner of the garage, across the yard, and then away from the house. Kirsten said there had never been anything like that on the camera in the two years since they've had them, so she thinks that this is suspicious, and she also thinks the timing for this is really strange. This really put Kirsten on edge, and she called 911 as well as alerted some of her neighbors, and one of them even came over with his dog just to make sure that there was nobody in Kirsten's yard. The police increased patrols around the area, and they were able to confirm that the blurry figure in the video is indeed a person. But the sheriff's office is still investigating this incident. Twelve days after the murder, Shanna sent Kirsten an email asking her to return some library books that the twins had borrowed. Shanna wrote in this email, quote, You can drop them off at any public library and they will return them to Miss Stacy or return them to the school directly. So Kirsten really is taken aback by this request. She said that at this time, returning library books is nowhere near being at the top of her priority list.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. it wouldn't be. I I have had to pay full fees on library books, and it's still not that bad. So I feel right. like, in theory, if I was in this position, I would say, you know what? I'm taking the hit for these. It's okay. There's a lot going on.
0: Right. Yeah. So just eight minutes, though, after that email about the library books came through, Shanna sent another email to Kirsten, and this time she was asking for Jared's death certificate and claiming that her attorney was asking for it and needed a copy for the family court. Shanna said that Kirsten could send the death certificate to her or to her attorney's paralegal directly. This email came as a huge shock to Kirsten, who was very much struggling with her grief and struggling to make sense of everything that had happened in the last couple of weeks, she told Fox News, quote, I was in my car and my hands were shaking. My heart was beating so fast. I was like, who does this? This is so evil. Here I am planning a funeral and she's asking for a death certificate. And yeah, I I can't even – there's no words for this. I can't imagine just the feeling that you would have when somebody is saying, writing you these emails at a time like that.
1: And honest to goodness, I would never think to ask the spouse that. Like – If I was needing a death certificate on somebody else, I would, there's other places you can go. You can go to the courts. You have a freaking attorney. For sure. You yeah. have an attorney. Yeah. There are other ways to do it. And, and especially when it's a contentious situation already. this You guys aren't best buds. Exactly. Doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah. Well, it's funny, Melissa, because this New York City-based defense lawyer um, named Todd Spodek agrees with you and actually said yeah. something very, very similar to that um, on Fox News. He said, quote, I would never have my clients do anything like this, especially given the acrimonious relationship between the ex-wife and the widow. There was no urgency to the matter, and the request could be misconstrued. Attorneys have process servers and paralegals who can easily obtain a death certificate. It makes no sense to reach out to the wife. End quote. And yes, absolutely.
1: <laughs> I think I read that so many times that it became part your, of my It became conscience. your idea. <laughs> yeah, and it was my idea. I was here to lay it down for you guys. And this attorney did it much more eloquently. <laughs> so let's just listen to
0: him. Following Jared's funeral, investigators reviewed all the evidence, the witness testimony, and everything that they had. They thought the location of Jared's murder was really surprising. One officer told Fox News that, quote, Jacksonville Beach is a safe community and a murder of this nature is highly unusual, this was a really ritzy area, not the kind of place you'd expect someone to be brutally murdered in front of his two-and-a-half-year-old daughter. News for Jax reported that investigators do believe the tire was intentionally placed in the road as a way to force Jared to stop there so that he could be ambushed. And the Daily Mail reported, quote, Police have stated that they believe Jared was targeted by somebody familiar with his routine and habit of driving that route home. So according to the Justice for Jared B.'s Instagram page, there's only three people that knew Jared's route, and that was Kirsten, Shanna, and Mario, and then, of course, anybody that they may have told. Where the shooting actually took place is kind of in a surveillance camera black spot. It's really out of sight of numerous nearby homes that do have cameras and ring doorbells. So it just so happens that where this was, nobody has a camera facing that area.
1: Right. So from the moment investigators told Kirsten she could start talking to the media, she has fought tooth and nail to get answers and to bring attention to Jared's case. By April, so just two months later, Kirsten had garnered the attention of major publications like Fox News, People, Inside Edition, The Independent, and more. Kirsten told Fox News that she will never give up until Jared's killers are brought to justice. In her own words, Kirsten said, quote, not only was this an attack on my husband and his life, It was an attack on the family we built together, and I won't take it lying down. I will keep fighting until the end, whether it takes six more months or six more years. I will continue fighting for him and the kids, end quote. Truly, I have chills even saying that because... Me too. I got chills when you read it. Right? So we are new in our friendship with Kirsten. Would you not say
0: she's probably one of the most incredible people, if not the most incredible person you've ever met in your life? 100%. And that we don't even say that to sound cliche or, you know, like, oh, she's very inspiring and so incredible. She truly is, like you said, possibly the most incredible and most inspiring woman I have ever had the privilege of speaking to.
1: Absolutely. I don't know a lot of people and everyone knows that. I try to know as few people as possible, but I could not be more happy to now have Kirsten as a friend and someone we want to support a hundred percent. And I really hope that's coming across in this episode that you guys know like this is legit. We are, we are in it. We are in it with her and we hope you guys will join us. That was not written anywhere in this, but I'm going to keep going. (laughs) So the last seven months have obviously been the hardest months of Kirsten's life. When she lost Jared, she said she lost her sense of security and stability, all because of the cowardly acts of others. Kirsten said Jared's murder was, quote, pure cowardice and evil. To have that done when he didn't even have a chance to fight back, and it was done in front of his daughter, end quote. And when it comes to Bexley, the toll that this has taken on her is heartbreaking, She talks about the night that Jared was shot a lot and tells Kirsten about the way she had to cover her ears because the sound was so loud. She also continually asks why her dad died. One night while Kirsten was tucking Bexley into bed with a blanket that Jared got for her, she asked Kirsten whether or not God had blankets because she wanted to make sure her daddy had one in heaven. And in addition to missing Jared, Bexley also misses her older siblings, the twins, She's barely seen them since Jared was murdered, and Kirsten said they mourn for the loss of their family structure. The attention that Kirsten has been able to bring to Jared's case is something she's grateful for, but make no mistake, it's taken a toll of its own on the family. Kirsten said there's times they feel like a spectacle and that people forget that this is their life every single day. They have to wake up to the realization that Jared's not there anymore and the suffering is real. While there's been a ton of attention on Jared and Shanna's custody battle, Kirsten's only concerned with finding out who killed her husband. She wants everyone to understand that Jared's killer is still out there, living their life, maybe even watching the media coverage, and that is not okay. And we still have more to get into, including ways you can help, after one last break to hear word from this week's sponsors. <laughs>
0: We posted a picture of ourselves for the first time in social media in a while, and quite a few people noticed that I'm a blonde now. Being a blonde is great, but it takes some work, which is why I'm so thankful for Kitsch. Kitsch believes that hair care is the new skincare, and they have taken things to the next level. That's right, Kitsch is all about giving you beautiful hair with minimal effort.
1: They have everything your hair needs from satin pillowcases to shampoo and conditioner bars, which means there's bottle free beauty in your future. What I'm excited about are the heatless satin curling rollers. These rollers aren't your grandma's rollers. These are made of a soft, silky-like satin rod, and I literally just twist my hair around it, and it's so comfortable, I can even sleep in it. I love wearing my hair curled, but I don't like putting heat on my hair very often because, quite frankly, it cannot take it. So these curlers are perfect. Even the TikTokers
0: are throwing away their $600 curlers in exchange for Kitsch's heatless satin curlers. And Kitch is a self-funded, female-founded company, much like Moms and Murder, but they actually started a few years before us back in 2010 by selling hair ties door-to-door. They had their eyes on the prize, and boy did they hustle. Now their products are carried in over 20,000 retail locations. Kitch is offering you 30% off your entire order at mykitsch.com
1: murder. That's right, 30% off anything and everything at mykitsch, spelled M-Y-K-I-T-S-C-H dot com slash murder one more time, mykitch.com slash murder for 30% off your order. With no fees or minimums, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of
0: decisions. Even
1: easier than deciding to listen to another episode of your favorite podcast. And with
0: no overdraft fees, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank. Capital One N.A. Member FDIC. And now back to the episode. So before the break, we were telling the full story of Jared Brightigan and who he really was as a person and as a father and a husband to our dear friend, Kirsten. And now we're going to kind of get into where the case is at today and what you guys can do to help. So by June of 2022, just a couple of months ago, there was a lot of speculation that Shanna was somehow involved in Jared's murder. Fox News reported that back in 2015, when they were going through their divorce, Shanna had confided in a tattoo parlor employee about their issues. This employee said that Shanna had been talking about the divorce when she said that her life could be better if Jared could just, quote, shut up. And she asked the parlor employees if they knew anybody who could just, quote, shut him up. At the time, the employees really didn't take this to mean anything. They didn't think she was serious or that it meant anything sinister. But it's one of those things that in hindsight, they said they can see how it could have been taken differently. And this is kind of one of those reasons why when – a something terrible happens and police come out and ask for tips, it's really important because it does make people think back to things that may not have seemed that important at the time. But now in light of new information, it does seem like it might, you know, it could mean something. So Shanna was actually friends with the parlor employee and she would go there just to hang out often. She would always vent about Jared and how he was, in her opinion, just trying to take all of her money Also in June, Shanna finally spoke out and officially stated that she was not involved in the murder. She actually gave an interview to the Florida Times Union where she talked about this. And again, we just want to note that authorities have never publicly identified Shanna or her husband Mario as persons of interest or suspects, and we just want to stress that both of them are innocent until proven guilty. Shanna says that she had originally stayed out of the media out of respect for Kirsten, who asked her not to comment. But she did say, quote, I feel for Jared's family and what they're going through. I can't even imagine. I have tried to be respectful. I have tried to give them space, end quote. Shanna said there had been so much attention focused on the murder that she just wanted to focus her attention on the kids and that the media coverage was really sensationalized and, in her opinion, inaccurate. She said the notion that she could be involved in the murder was scary to her and it scared the twins as well and that she and her friends and family were now being harassed and their businesses had been threatened. Shanna hired an attorney to, quote, provide options on how best to protect herself and her family from the publicity. She declined to comment on her divorce and custody battle with Jared, saying that she didn't see any good in airing out their dirty laundry. She said, quote, our relationship was pretty complicated and remained pretty complicated.
1: Reports that Shanna had an affair with her personal trainer during her marriage to Jared have been denied by Shanna. But she did admit to making that weird comment to the Tattoo Parlor employee although she said there was no intent behind those words. She said people say things like that during bitter divorces. Shanna's mom, Shelly, also denied reports that Shanna had an affair and said that that was just what Jared told people, but it wasn't the truth. Shanna said that when she heard the news that Jared was dead, she was devastated and she collapsed on the ground in disbelief. The twins were already in counseling because of the divorce, and the same counselor started helping them to cope with the murder of their father. She and her husband, Mario, hired a well-known Jacksonville attorney named Henry Cox, who sent a statement to News 4 Jax that said, quote, To be clear, Shanna and Mario requested my assistance for the purpose of seeing if steps could be taken to protect her young twins from any publicity surrounding this tragic event. The family's interest in privacy has always been paramount, as difficult as it seems to be. As for any other reason for the family to have counsel, whether it be myself or anyone else, there is none, end quote. At this point, there was a $55,000 reward for information leading to the arrest and conviction of Jared's killer or killers. A majority came from a fundraiser held by Jared's family. When Fox News asked if Shanna's family had donated any money, Jared's brother Adam said, quote, not yet, but we would welcome their assistance, end quote. Fox News reported that Shanna's mother, Shelley, did close on a $3.5 million vacation home in Jacksonville Beach just three weeks after the murder. The Gardner family, that's Shanna's family, has never released a public statement. They've also never asked the public to help them find the person who killed young Liam and Abby's father. In August, the personal trainer Shanna allegedly had an affair with spoke to Fox News Digital. He said that in 2014, Jared bought Shanna a package of training sessions as a Christmas gift. It's one of those things she asked for as a gift, not like him just saying you need to go to a trainer or saying I want to go to a trainer. Could this be my Christmas gift? Totally get that. The trainer said that their relationship turned romantic within weeks. Shanna had told the trainer she and Jared had been separated for months, which the trainer now knows is untrue. Shanna told him that they weren't speaking and that they lived at opposite ends of the house. The trainer said Shanna wanted to leave the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. She had grown up in the church and she wasn't interested in living that lifestyle anymore, but her husband Jared didn't want to leave. The trainer said the relationship ended after a few months because Shanna was, quote, going through a lot, end quote, with her divorce. Shanna's denied this affair with her personal trainer. But with all that said, it's important to note that the tattoo parlor employee told Fox News that when Shanna went into the tattoo parlor to get that piercing the day after filing for divorce, the emergency contact she listed was her personal trainer. So take that for what you will.
0: Today, Kirsten and other family members continue fighting for Jared. In August, Kirsten and Jared's brother, Adam, spoke to News 4 Jacks for numerous articles. Kirsten said, quote, I just have this overwhelming sense that it's going to be figured out. I have felt that way since early on. There are days when I do lose hope. I'm just frustrated, angry. I don't want to talk to anybody. But the majority of the time, I feel like justice is coming. Just be patient. Kirsten talked about how milestones are passing and Jared isn't there to enjoy them. In mid-August, they celebrated Bexley's third birthday and London's first. Jared wasn't there to celebrate either one of them. London is now learning to walk, and Jared isn't there to witness his baby girl's first steps. Kirsten said Jared's memory keeps her going. She said, quote, "'I know that if he was here and I wasn't, that he would be fighting for me, also the kids. I want all four of the kids to know why they don't have their dad. I want that for them so badly because he was the best dad.' So thoughtful, so creative, so fun. They deserve to know why he is no longer here. So that's why I keep fighting. At this point, three-year-old Bexley worries about her mom's safety. Not long ago, Kirsten, Bexley, and London were in the nursery when the baby monitor caught audio of Bexley telling Kirsten as she climbed into her lap... It's absolutely so heartbreaking to think about a three-year-old baby saying those words to their mom. And this is why it's so important for people to come forward with any information that they might have about this case. Kirsten told First Coast News that Bexley sometimes understands that Jared is gone, but then there's days that she talks about seeing him at future events. Mm. And Kirsten said that this is really excruciating because then she has to go back and explain that her dad's not going to be here. And she will tell her daughter that his body got hurt and he died. And then it just kind of starts this this healing process all over oh again. gosh. First Coast News asked Kirsten what she hopes the next six months will bring, and she answered, quote, I hope it brings justice. I hope that those who are involved in this murder are caught. I hope that we can get to a trial quickly. I just hope that there's a resolution, and I can answer Bexley when she asks me why. Adam, who, as we said, is Jared's brother, he said, quote, This was such a heinous crime. I mean, the amount of times he was shot just to ensure that he was dead, that he wasn't going to be able to recover, and all of us in our family are just devastated. Adam also said, quote, to be truly candid with you, our family is broken. My children continue to have nightmares. I think that something is going to happen to myself or the rest of my family. We kind of live in this constant fear that we're not going to get answers or that something terrible could happen to one of us as well.
1: So where is this case at now? According to an August 22nd Fox News article, quote, the Jacksonville Beach Police Department has not publicly named a person of interest in the father of four's execution, but a law enforcement source told Fox News Digital that Shanna Gardner-Fernandez and her husband Mario remain suspects. They have not been charged with any misconduct in connection with the slaying, end quote. Sergeant Tanya Tater with the Jacksonville Beach Police told News 4 Jax that she has confidence an arrest will be made. She said, quote, there's a good chance, a good, good chance. Maybe not now, maybe not next week, but I feel confident that eventually we will find the person or persons responsible for this, end quote. She also said, quote, of course we want an arrest. We'd like to do it sooner, but we've got to do it the right way, end quote. As of this recording, the blue F-150 has not been found. But Sergeant Tater has said, don't mistake investigators' silence for an action, Just because the department hasn't released more information doesn't mean it isn't coming in, which I think is a very powerful statement. Definitely. She says the department isn't just after the shooter, but anyone who may have helped. Tater said, quote, if you are scared, reach out to us. Let us know you are scared, but you have information that can be helpful in this case and we will most definitely work with you, end quote. Kirsten has told us that she hasn't had any physical contact with Abby and Liam since February. There were a few FaceTime calls in March, but she hasn't had any contact with them at all since April, which is heartbreaking because they were all a part of this family. She said that Jared's father is actually going through cancer right now and would love to see all of his grandkids, including Abby and Liam. Kirsten also said she's concerned for the twins and the emotional toll that being cut off from half your family would take on them.
0: Kirsten wants all of our listeners to know and really understand what a great dad Jared was to all of his kids. She explained to us that he really dealt with so much strife after his divorce from Shanna, and he tried his absolute best to be a good dad. Watching the divorce and custody battle drag on was torture for Kirsten. She said it would have just been a lot easier for Jared to up and move and start a new life away from Shanna, but he loved Liam and Abby so much and he would never, ever leave them. He fought for them every single day, and it was an absolutely horrible experience for him. We asked Kirsten how we can help her, and she said that right now she's just trying to get Jared's story as far and wide as possible. Kirsten says that she doesn't think the people involved will ever speak up, but maybe someone has said something to someone, and if she can reach that one person, maybe they will speak up, give a tip, or help find the truck in question. There are numerous social media outlets for Kirsten's Fight for Justice, including a Facebook page, a TikTok, and an Instagram. And of course, we will link all of them, but you can find them yourself by searching Justice for Jared B on those platforms. A GoFundMe has also been established, and we will share that as well. Kirsten is currently working to have a light post put up on the street where Jared was shot. As we said before, this is a very poorly lit area at the moment, and the trees that line the road make it very dark. She's already spoken with the police chief and the Jacksonville mayor, and they've given their approval for the light post. But right now the issue is that there's no power running to that small street. So Kirsten is working to secure the funds needed to work with the power company to be able to have that light post put in. And we definitely want to help her with that as much as we can. Kirsten also asked for prayers and good vibes, Um, whatever it is that you do personally, that the evidence in this case will be really strong and that they will be able to get a conviction one day, and that every person responsible for Jared's murder is eventually held accountable.
1: There's still a $55,000 reward for information leading to an arrest and prosecution in the killing. First Coast Crime Stoppers is offering a $50,000 reward for information leading to an arrest. Much of that money was raised privately by the Bridegan family. The Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, or ATF, is offering an additional $5,000 for information leading to an arrest and conviction. Authorities are looking for any tips you have, no matter how small you might think it is, including tips about the 2004-2008 to 2008 dark blue Ford F-150 with brown and tan trim, running boards, and a silver toolbox that was in the area at the same time Jareb was shot. Anyone with information is asked to call Crimestoppers at 1-866-845-TIPS, that's 8477, and tipsters may remain anonymous. To submit a tip to ATF, call 1-888-ATF-TIPS, that's 1-888-283-8477. And just this week, Kirsten launched something called Bexley's Boxes. Kirsten often reflects back to Bexley's experience in the police station that night she was there without her parents and she was scared. And honestly, police stations aren't very well equipped to comfort children in these scenarios. And Kirsten wants to help. The Bexley box will be filled with items like diapers, security blankets, sippy cups, kids' snacks, and blankets in the hopes that it will bring a small amount of comfort to children going through really the unthinkable. She hopes to get these boxes in as many counties as possible.
0: And guys, this is just one of many amazing things that Kirsten has come up with in the midst of her grief, and she is still so – she just thinks of others first. She's thinking of other people who are going through a similar situation and wanting to take care of them. Bexley's Boxes is one of the most amazing concepts and ideas um, that I've heard in the true crime world and so necessary and needed, unfortunately. And uh, I'm just so proud of her for coming up with that.
1: Absolutely. If you even think of people in wrecks, stuff like that, kids end up at the police department for other reasons than murder. I mean, that's obviously what we're talking about today. But there are a lot of reasons, and they really don't have stuff. So for her to see this need and to think outside of herself, just once again, she is the most
0: amazing person. It just speaks to who she is as a person, yeah.
1: Absolutely. So Kirsten told us that one of the biggest tragedies of Jared's murder is that people now remember him for how he died and not the man and father he was to his four beautiful young children. And we see that in the true crime world. So it's been great to get to know him through this. She said at first, the media coverage was just this one photo of Jared in his Microsoft polo shirt and the headline was just father gunned down. And it really bothered her that there was no discussion about who Jared was. Kirsten started the Instagram so she could share personal family stories and videos so people could get to know who Jared was as a person. One thing Kirsten said that broke our hearts was that she would freeze up when someone in the media would ask her to describe her husband because she said, quote, how do you summarize the person you love the most, the person that's made the biggest impact on your life in like two sentences, end quote. Kirsten wants people to know what he was like as a husband and a father because that's what matters the most. And that's what she wants his memory to be, not the way he died.
0: I really want to invite everybody listening to go and scroll through the Justice for Jared B Instagram page. Um, And you will absolutely see what we mean by this family just being incredible. It really comes through in Kirsten's posts and the photos that she shares of herself and the girls and especially of Jared. You can really just Mm -hmm. feel the love in their family, really get a sense for what this has done to them. And it's Definitely something I hope that everybody will go and check out. Yeah, for sure. So one thing we
1: wanted to make sure we shared was kind of how we met Kirsten. And we met her because of Justice for Jared B, right? She was tagging yes. us and stuff. So we were seeing stuff for a while before we ever really connected with her. And uh, as Mandy said before, she was a friend of the podcast. She was a listener to the podcast. That's not important to us in the nicest way. Like, that's not why we would do something for someone. But... On top of that, she tagged our uh, researcher, Haley, and wrote Haley. And Haley came to us and was like, would you guys ever consider doing something unsolved? And we were like, yes, we want to do the justice for Jared. Like that was the person. We already knew what case we'd want to do. Absolutely. And that's because she really has made – Kirsten's just made it her mission in a way that you want to be involved. You want to be the one supporting her and behind her because – she just so so loved this man, and I feel like it's such a reflection of him how much love she has to share about him. You know, and and she their deserves daughters.
0: having people in her corner. A hundred percent that are that are willing to help her and to help fight for justice for Jared. Yeah. So none of this has to do with us whatsoever. At all. And on that note, though, I do want to say one last thing. We did mention Haley here. Um, We are always singing Haley's praises and saying what a wonderful researcher and what a big help she is to us. But I want to especially thank Haley for her help with this story. She, as we said, she was the first contact um, with Kirsten and she put together Just the most incredible research, as she always does. But she worked really, really hard on this case. And uh, we just love Haley so much. She has just become really the, you know, one third of our show here. So um, definitely want to give her credit where credit is due. She, She is responsible for a large chunk of telling this story this week. Haley is incredible, like you were saying.
1: We try not to give Haley a big head because of right. who she is as a person. <laughs> but this is a time that I feel like it's definitely necessary. So Kirsten and family, thank you so much for entrusting us into doing this. Yes. Interesting, is that a word? And my goodness, we we are behind you and uh, we know our listeners will be as well. And please, if you do nothing else today, check out the Justice for Jared B instagram page and you will want to be just as involved as we do absolutely so we're not going to do last thing before we go mandy this week we're not it didn't feel appropriate with this story but what we wanted to do is we are going to actually just have three minutes of silence at the end of this episode before you hear our little voices come back in and that's just to represent the three minutes that bexley was in the car by herself after her dad was shot And we hope if you know anything, no matter what, how little you think it is, reach out. I mean, let the cops be the ones to tell you this is not significant. But if you know something or know someone that knows something, there's ways to get that information as we were talking about the tip line. Nobody has to know it was you. But if you know something, this is eating you up. There's no way you're getting around this. Mandy, I don't really know how we can end this other than to start playing, um, the three minutes of silence. So we're going to do that. We'll see you guys next week. All right. Bye, everybody. Daddy, you're going to Daddy. and
0: am going a flower. I see it. That's a beautiful flower. Quick, press the white button. Press it. Boo. What are you making?
1: Brownies. Brownies? Yeah. That's so cool. All
0: right. Do you want to mix it a little bit? Yeah. And we turn. All right. Your turn.